front. And to be up here and to, to get to hear that standing here, it does sound different than it does in the back. And so that is truly a blessing to hear. And I thank you, Scotty, for leading that. That was an exceptional blessing to me. I am certainly blessed by the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for allowing me to be up here and to present the Word of God. And I thank you all for being here as well. I thank you for those who are here on a normal Sunday for coming back to worship with us, for your commitment and consistency to Christ. And if you are a visitor with us, we want you to know that you are our honored guest. And we certainly welcome you back at any given point in time. In fact, if you are looking for a congregation to worship with, we'd encourage you to come back and worship with us. This is a very loving and very active body of Christ. And so that is something you're looking for. We would be glad to have you. It is our goal to make everyone here feel this morning as, as welcomed as, as the, they should feel coming into the house of God. And so if you are looking around and maybe you see some faces that you're not familiar with, I would encourage you to maybe mingle a bit, exchange some phone numbers, names, or words of encouragement, whatever you feel is appropriate. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, that's page 1607 in the Blue Bibles in the back of the pews. This is the parable of the sower, and it's a very important parable. In fact, it's so important it's mentioned in three out of four of the Gospels. If you'd like to follow along with me, I'll be using the NIV version, and that is the version that is in the, the back of the pews. But if you are taking notes, today is February the 18th. Before we get going, I would like to take a moment and go to God in prayer. (coughs) Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for the blessing of being here today. We thank You for allowing us to be born in America where we can worship without the fear of persecution. We thank You for hearts and for ears to receive Your Word. We ask that You would direct our hearts and open our minds so that this Word can be Yours and Yours alone and that it can speak to us in a way that that only it can speak to us individually. Father, we ask that you would be with us this week and help us to apply this to our everyday lives so that we can be better Christians for you. It is in your Son's name, Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. With spring just around the corner, some of you, like me, are getting ready to start planting seeds. And so many of you, like me, are starting to get ready to plant some kind of seed that is going to bear a fruit. Now, when I say fruit, I'm kind of using that as a blanket term, uh, not just fruits, fruits and vegetables. I know a lot of people enjoy planting tomatoes, cucumbers, uh, peppers. Maybe you're planting some kind of of strawberry or or grapevine. Uh, But whatever it is, you're getting ready to plant something. And if you have any experience with planting anything, especially from seed, you'll know that you cannot, by your own means, cause that plant to grow. So you can provide the right conditions. You can make sure it has the right soil, that it has, of course, water and sunlight. But you cannot, by any accord, cause that plant to grow. And I think as we study this morning, you're going to realize that our relationship with Christ is the same way. Now let's set the scene here for a minute. In Luke chapter 8, Jesus is just coming out of Capernaum. He's been going between all these different towns. He's been preaching and doing parables and doing miracles. And he's coming out of um, Capernaum. And I think uh, it's not specifically listed in the Bible, but I think it's an interesting fact to note. Outside of Capernaum, along the Sea of Galilee, which we know where Jesus is because Mark chapter 4 and verse 1 tells us he goes to to the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. 
there is a place in Greek known as Ormos to Sporea. This means the sower's cove. And so likely we can speculate, but just because that Jesus is coming to Capernaum and he's going to the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee, that he is in the cove of the sower. And what's unique about the cove of the sower is even to this day, it has tremendous acoustics. In fact, if you are to get in a boat and come off the shoreline just a bit, up to 7,000 people can hear you speak. And so, likely, Jesus coming out of Capernaum has chosen this spot to preach. The reason I mention that is strictly this. If you go online, even today, and look up a picture of the shoreline of the Cove of the Sower, what you're going to see is a rocky shoreline, fields covered in thorns, covered in thickets, and small paths, well now there's roads, but you know, at the time it would have been paths or trodden with dirt to get you where you wanted to go. So, in bearing that in mind, I think you'll realize this parable is not just to farmers, it's not just to people who plant seeds or who own vineyards, this is to everybody here in the audience. See, looking around, they don't have to understand anything about farming to know that this soil over here has thorns, this soil over here is rocky, this soil over here gets trampled on so much that nothing can grow. And so, as we continue to study, I want you to bear that into your mind, bear that image into your mind of the shoreline of the Sea of Galilee. Now, before we begin our reading, I want to share uh, this thought with you I had this week. And it's something that I heard and I decided to go and study and I realized just how truthful it was. See, I heard that the word, that the Bible is a living and breathing word. And so, as I went on and I began to study that, John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the Word. As Christians, we acknowledge that death could not hold Jesus. See, He died, but He came back to life. And so, if Jesus is the Word, and Jesus is alive, then the Word is alive. And so, as we read this, I would encourage you to let the Word speak to you in its own way. Let it prepare your heart and plant something in your heart that only it can do to you. So let's go ahead and read, starting in verse chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 4. While a large crowd was gathering, and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered, because they had no moisture. Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up with it, and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant, and he said to them, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, and through hearing they may not understand. Now, don't let verse 10 trip you up here, because it's easy to get caught on that and stop there and try and decipher that. But if you look at the footnotes of your Bible, simply Jesus' quote here in verse 10 is just the fulfillment of a scripture, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 9. So reading on... Starting in verse 11, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. 
Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell along thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. You see, Jesus here is categorizing every man, every woman, and every child that hears the Word of God. And He puts them into one of these four categories. Of course, He takes the liberty to explain the different types of soils. And He takes the liberty to explain the seed. And so we understand that the soil represents our heart and how we can receive the seed. What is the condition of our heart? Of course, then he explains the seed is the Word of God. It is us and the Gospel. How do we grow and how does the Gospel grow in us? You see, this parable is for everyone present. It is for everyone then and it is for everyone now. But for a moment, I would like to take and apply this parable to maybe what we might see or what we might have experienced in ourselves or even our friends to today's audience. Of course, we have the first soil. See, these people would have followed this dirt path to get to where Jesus is. They would have understand that they don't have to step over thorns and thickets because it's so trampled that nothing can take root. They would have understood that if something were to fall on this trail, it would have been extremely visible and easy for the birds to pick off and eat it. See, Jesus says that this represents the one who refuses to accept the Word and refuses to grow in the Gospel. Now, why could this be? Well, there are lots of reasons that this could be the case. Maybe they weren't raised in the church. Maybe it's because they have endured some kind of hardship and they say, well, I just can't believe that a God who loves His people... I can't believe that a God that loves His people would let that happen. You know, maybe it's because they are scared of the truth. Maybe they're so used to living in sin, as Jesus explains, that Satan will come and take that seed from them because they don't want to know the consequences of their actions. Now, it's easy to say when someone so blatantly rejects Jesus, so blatantly rejects the gospel, it's easy to say, well, I mean, that's their, that's their thing. But you see, nobody in this, in this building or out of it is any less worthy of the, of the good news. You see, that leaves us to the second soul. Here, the audience sitting and looking at the shoreline understands that things who are, that are planted on the rocky soil do not grow. You see, even today, if you look up a picture, you're going to find these small shrubs about this big and they're brown because they've shot up and they've withered. This represents the person who hears the Word and yet does not truly let it change their heart. This, a lot of times we see, they go and they buy a new Bible. They're at every service. They're seemingly committed and then all of a sudden it's like they jump ship. It's like they bail. And you see them out in public and you ask them, Hey man, what happened to you? Hey, what, what happened? You were so committed. Well, I tried the whole Christianity thing and it just didn't work for me. But see, that's the problem, church. Christianity is not an it. 
Christianity is a relationship with Christ. It is a He. It is a Him. And so if it didn't work, it's because you didn't fully understand. Now, there are a couple ways that this comes about. You know, possibly the most common one, of course, people have an extremely emotional experience, be it positive or negative, and in some way they associate Christ in a way that helped them. And so they're like, yes, this, this is what I was missing. This is what I needed. But when the euphoria wears off, I'm like, well, he just wasn't there like he used to be. But see, that's not the case. The second common thing I think we see in today's church is people build their faith on someone else's. See, when you build your faith on someone else's, you subject yourself to building your foundation on a, on a ground that is unsteady. Because everyone in humanity is flawed by sin. And at some point in time, everyone is going to sin no matter how committed you are to Christ. And so when you put your faith in somebody else's, you will ultimately be let down. And so it's easy to say, once they mess up, well, if they can't do it, I don't, I don't have a shot. Now, if, they, if they couldn't pull it off, I, I, I don't have any chance at that. But see, that is not the case either. And that leads us to the third soil. You see, these people have endured the thorns. They, they wearing their sandals, have likely stepped on thorns. They feel the cuts. They feel the briars in their feet. They understand the numerous thickets, thistles, and fields that are untamed. And they understand that it's, it's anything that grows alongside of these thorns, thickets, and thistles will ultimately be choked out. You see, the thorns in the parable represent anything that separates us from God. It may be worry, it may be money, it may be our career, it may be some kind of temptation we just can't get away from. Anything that divides us from God is represented here as the thorns. See, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24 no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Those thorns didn't come up overnight. They were rooted in seemingly good soil with the seed. But as time went on, they grew up together. And as they grew up together, the thorns inevitably choked out its contender. This leads us to the last soil, the good soil. This is the soul that hears the Word, receives the Word, and then goes on to produce fruit. In fact, Jesus tells us even 100 times what was sown. We are each, as people, responsible for the way that we receive the Word of God. But I think we can all agree that relationships take effort. And relationships start with that seed. If you meet someone out in public, they may very well become your best friend. But upon that first meeting, you're not going to share very private information with them. That relationship, it takes time and it takes effort to grow. And see, Jesus Christ is no different. We already acknowledge that it was a He and not an It. And so we do have to provide the same time and effort to that seed in our own heart so that our relationship with Christ can grow. And as I mentioned earlier, you have to get the conditions right for that seed to grow as well. Well, how do you get the conditions right? You read your Bible, you worship God, you pray your heart out to Him. And when you do that, you allow that seed to grow. 
And as that seed grows and as that seed matures, it begins to produce fruit. You see, as Christians, we produce the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But have you ever thought about the purpose of a fruit? You see, a fruit takes something that might be seemingly undesirable to some and puts it in a package by God's design as something that is sweet and it is soft and it is easily digestible and it is desirable. You see, fruit by nature, think about you know those fruits that you get at the store, they are, they're good and you want them, right? And so when we produce the fruits of the Spirit... We produce something that is sweet and soft to people. When we display our own inner peace in a time when we might feel that the storms are raging around us, we are able to spread that by people seeing that. When we are kind to people and they receive that fruit without even realizing it, if we live in Christ, they're receiving that seed as well. See, when we spread the fruits of the Spirit, it not only aids the recipient, but it aids friends of friends. So our purpose as Christians are just to produce that fruit and spread that seed. So we don't, we're not responsible for the recipient's heart. All we have to do is get it out there. See, God, He takes care of the rest. Because when people see our peace and see our gentleness and our faithfulness, they start to get interested in what we put our faith in. You may be the very first Scripture that someone ever reads. And so, by producing the fruit, people can receive the seed and then in their own hearts prepare to let that seed mature. We just have to be peaceful, gentle, and kind. And by doing this, we present that seed in such a way that others can desire it. But I also want to point out there was no difference in the seed that was sown. The only difference, the only thing that ended up making a difference was how the heart received it. You see, God loves you enough that He gave you breath and life this morning and you have chosen to worship. And by that, He is sowing the seed even now. And so I wonder, how will you receive it this morning? Maybe you're reflecting on your heart and you realize that you've never allowed the Word of God to take root. Maybe you're sitting here and you you can think of something you're here because maybe you feel like you have to be and you've never let it in before. Or maybe you identify with the second soil. And at some point you had the zeal of a child and you shot up and you were ready to go and then you were choked out by whatever. For whatever reason, you, you lost your root in the time of testing. Or maybe you're like that third soil and you're sitting here this morning and you can think of something that might be planted in your heart growing right alongside of Christ. And maybe right now it doesn't seem like a problem, but as they mature it will be. And so why not get it early? I wonder, how is your relationship with Christ this morning? Because there is great, great news. You see, Christ has the ability to break that soil. He has the ability to move those rocks and to pull those thorns. It is not too late. You see, God is pleading with you. He gave His very own Son so that you could be saved. But He requires a relationship nonetheless. And so, Matthew seven twenty one and 23, we understand that when they go to Jesus, He says, 
apart from me. I never knew you. See, to get into heaven, you have to have a relationship with Jesus. He has to know you as much as you know Him. And Jesus is a part of the Trinity. And the Trinity is a God who knows the day that you were born and the day that you will die. He knows the number of hairs on your head. So why would you not want a relationship with that God if He offers it to you so freely? See, He wants to be your friend and all you have to do is accept Him. You know, if there is something on your heart, if you have identified with one of the first three souls and you think you need Jesus to intervene, this might be the day. You see, He can offer you relief. He can offer you that peace and He can offer you that completeness. But you have to have that relationship with Him. And it starts by accepting the seed. Maybe today is the day. Maybe today you allow Christ to fully change your heart, to truly take root inside of your heart. Maybe you confess Him as your Lord and Savior. And being baptized in Him, you not only accept His crucifixion as your own, but you accept His resurrection. Maybe today you conquer death. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, yes, I need, I need to go forward. I need Christ's help. I'd encourage you to do so. See, there is no shame in asking for help. In fact, I think everyone in here would agree that it is a humble and brave act to come forward and say, God, I can't do it alone. I need the prayers of the church. Or maybe you're sitting here and you think, yes, I am ready to receive the Word of God, but I am nervous to go forward. That first step is the most difficult, I can promise you. Because I have walked that aisle like so many others in here. And if you can take that first step, I promise you it's going to be the best decision that you ever make in your life. Whatever it is, whatever has been placed on your heart by this Word this morning, I hope that you will come together as we stand and as we sing. Oh. 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 Oh.